Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. All right, welcome everybody. It is a Wednesday edition of the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Big Dog and a Coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. Baseball, football, basketball, a little bit of Olympics on the discussion topics for today. We'll jump off the sports page as well. We're still trying to get over the depression of the Chicago Blackhawks losing, so... If we need to do a little counseling, a little grief counseling, we can do that, too. With a big dog and a coach, a little bit of music from Talk Zone's extraordinary producer, David Olson. Then we'll kick the sucker off. Yes, indeed. Let me welcome in my very, very esteemed partner, the big dog, Joel Aranowanski. Joel, how are you on this not-so-lovely Wednesday here in the fine city of Chicago? What's that so lovely about it? I'm just talking weather-wise. You're right. It's a beautiful day otherwise. Yeah, I think the weather we've had is absolutely gorgeous. I'm pretty happy with it. Coach. I don't know about that, but I love your philosophy. Each day, best day of my life. Best day of my life. Absolutely. Live each day as if it were your last, big dog, because one day you will be correct. And hopefully for most of us, that's many, many days away. Yeah, well, but the point is you never know. So, you know, don't don't get scurried down by the little things. Uh, You know, live. Live. Live to its fullest. How's that for starting the show? A little philosophy here. Don't let the little pebbles and the, the sand of life fill up the jar. Let the... Let the golf balls fill up the jar. Let the big things. Make sure the important things are first and foremost. Don't let the everyday errands and worries and concerns fill up the jar of life. Thank you very much. I, I will do that, Coach. I won't worry about <laughs> anything. Well, let's not get carried away. Our, have you seen our ratings last quarter? No, you'd have to have some to see them. <laughs> Take it easy. Take it easy. By the way, before we get into the hard-hitting sports at thetalkzone.com, my favorite picture in the paper today, I mentioned there is the, I forget what it's called. No, I don't have the name. It's not the um, the NATO Summit, but there's some major celebrities in town. The, Nobel, here. Uh, the Nobel Summit, I think it's what The Nobel Laureate, Laureate. It's something like it's yeah. got something to do with the and, and they're Prize. nice enough. Some of these big wigs, the Dalai Lama. I mean, we're talking you know the best of the best, the Nelson Mandela's of the world. They're visiting the city of Chicago. Bill Clinton is here, and they're going into some of the public schools. Big dog and talking to the kids. My favorite picture though, at one school, on stage together. This might be one of the great combos of all time. Ex Russian Prime Minister Mikhail Gorbachev going arm in arm with. Uh, Fast Times from Ridgemont High's very own Sean Penn. How's that for a combo? Yeah, what is Sean Penn doing hanging around with these people he, anyway? He just won a Nobel Peace Prize, and, and deservedly so. For what he did at Haiti? Yes. He won a Nobel Peace Prize, Sean Penn. Some kind of Peace Prize. Cam- Might have been a Lubitron cam- Peace Prize. I don't know. I'm bringing the cameras along to document everything that he did that. No, I think you got it wrong, Big Doug. I I think uh, Sean Penn, uh, from what I heard, he stayed there for three months. 
three months, much of it without cameras, living not in some hotel off campus, but in the tents with the refugees. He went there for a day or two, and he stayed for three months. I think he's too legit to quit. That's pretty cool, I guess. That part's cool. He's he's getting an award from the laureates this week. That's that, that's why he's is that here. a good thing or bad? Okay, I, I never no, trust well, him. Because, no, no, no. because of the work he did in Haiti, okay. the Lo- Nobel Prize laureates are giving him an okay. award. I like no, the no, Nobel. That makes, that makes sense. But I guarantee you somebody other, you know what I mean? I I can deal with an award. I didn't think he deserved a Nobel Peace Prize. No. No, 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 no. no, no. Okay. The men that have yeah. won the Nobel I, Peace Prize yeah. are giving him an award My for bad. his humanitarian My bad. I love the Nobel Peace thing. The, the, the whole laureate, I never trusted laureates. I don't know about you, Big Doug. I have no problem with the laureates. I always thought laureates were overrated. And I, I mean, and I'll say this for Sean Penn. I think I think the guy's a raging a hole. I really, really do. But he, but the stuff that he did down in Haiti, yes. on top of the stuff that he did in New Orleans after Katrina, yep, you got to hand it to the guy for I that. I agree. I agree. But the picture, but you, you got to check it out because Sean Penn's got the whole hair thing going. The point I brought it up is not to you know should Sean Penn get the credit or not. We can discuss that at a later time. But just the combo on stage is that a quality combination or what? Gorbachev and Sean Penn. I could just imagine uh, Gorbachev. I really love your work as Coley. <laughs> oh goodness! As a matter of fact, when Gorbachev was when Gorbachev was running the show in Russia, that was probably when Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Sean Penn broke through, right? No, Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out in '82. Gorbachev didn't take over Russia until '87, I believe. Ah, eh, close enough. Not that Before far away. He- he took over from Boris Yeltsin. Is that is that right? From who? No, no, it was, the other way, it was the other way around. Okay. Yeltsin okay. took over for Gorbachev. Wait, who yeah. was the name Joel said? Boris Yeltsin. Ah, Boris. Was Boris before? Uh, uh, who did I just mention? Now I forget. Oh, Brezhnev. Brezhnev was earlier. Yeah. Oh yeah, Brezhnev, Brezhnev was, was way earlier. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yep. I always thought Leonid Brezhnev much like the Laureates. Highly overrated, Big Dog. No, nobody messed with Brezhnev. Are you kidding me? That dude was not overrated. <laughs> I would not mess with Brezhnev. Though. Really? That guy always scared me as a kid. Yeah, I'll tell you Growing one who up, I wouldn't have mind messing around with. Underrated, I always thought, in the uh, presidential wives, Ariza Gorbachev. You remember her? No, I don't, Coach. Not bad. Ariza Gorbachev, very intelligent, soft-spoken. Stayed in the background a little bit, but still strong enough to uh, to keep the allure going. Strangely attractive uh, as a young teenager. Ariza Gorbachev, Ariza, I got my temperatures arising. Thank you very much. How yeah, are you, Big Dog? Everything good? I was, yeah, I wasn't aware of her work, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> All right, speaking of work, before we uh, break down to the hard analysis here at thetalkzone.com, how did the event Go at DePaul's beautiful softball stadium. You, ex-radio producer Swamp Rat, and this year, man, how did it go? And Dave Zamora showed up. Oh, my God, the big DZ? Oh, my goodness. Man, did we, we drank a whole bottle of Crystal Skull Vodka as we watched the game. <laughs> i got to tell you something. These ladies have come a long way because 10 years ago, I wouldn't if, if you went to a softball game and taunted a woman like the other team, everybody in the stands would have... Uh, erupted with, oh, you can't do that. Well, nowadays it's awesome. I was taunting the whole Illinois softball team. <laughs> no one there knew that I was a diehard Illinois fan. Who would have ever thought that? Uh-huh. You know, and the, but basically for seven innings, they had to listen to some goofball 
uh, make fun of them. It was good stuff, though, Coach. I had all the girls high-fiving me on the deep hall side. They didn't have any problem. <laughs> Did you go this year, man, or a normal outfit? Uh, I, I had to go normal outfit because uh, when I saw Kevin there, we really got into a deep conversation. And then I was like, you know, if I put this this year, man, I think I did a little take away from everything. So mm-hmm. it, it was a good time, real good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, talked to Dave Corzine, your guy, a bunch of other guys. It was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And a good time was had by all. Now, they don't sell alcoholic beverages at college softball games, do they? No, we had to be. We had to do that on the on the download. Ah, the like so it was bring your own flask. Yes, coach. Interesting. And what kind of crowd did the uh, collegiate students at DePaul University give a little support to their uh, very very good Lady Demon softball team? Uh, quite frankly, when I got there, I, there was a pole block at home plate. I couldn't see home plate, and I'm like, Kevin, let's move down a little bit because uh, I can't see home plate. He's like, No, these are our seats. I'm like, Come on, dude. He's like, no, this place will be packed. Every this place sells out. I'm like, get out of here. Next thing I know, the whole place was sold out. Wow. And we could we couldn't move. Assigned seats for a girl. So you weren't kidding when you said I could not have just come down and I would have had to like scalp a ticket off the street. I think you still would have been able to get in, coach. Assigned. As a matter of fact, they, after the second inning, they quit taking tickets. Tickets, and next thing you know, the place was packed. Wow. Completely packed. Cool. There was at least a thousand people there. That's unbelievable. Two, what did you say? Three thousand? A thousand. A thousand. Uh-huh. For a midweek softball game, that's not bad. We're talking the DePaul Blue Demons, the name of their stadium. It's very, very cool. Big dog right on, uh, off of Fullerton Avenue. I think it's right off of Belden, too. I forget the exact street. Is it, what's the name of the stadium? Uh, Catchatory Stadium. Ah, there and it is. My, and that four person work in the food, the food, uh, area. The concession stand guy had no idea what happened to him when I came up to him and started screaming at him, why is there any chicken catchatory in catchatory stadium? Did he at the, least... guy was not, the guy was not happy about it. Everybody else that was listening to me scream at this dude was laughing. And they realized I, I really wasn't serious. The guy that I was yelling at thought I really wanted some chicken catchatory. I will often do that. Now, I won't, you know, use the, the name, the, the catchy name like you do, but I'll, you know, can I help you? And I'll say, yeah, you know, steak. Baked potato, you know, at a concession stand. They usually don't find the humor in that either. How? By the way, I applied to be the PA announcer for those games. How was the public address announcer? It was phenomenal. Ah, it's bad As to a hear. matter of fact, Kevin Ray and brought it up. He was like, Coach Lee thought he was going to do a better job than this guy. I was like, yeah. Who'd... I mean, this guy was telling <laughs> jokes. And, and they were jokes that you can tell he's watched the movie in the last 10 years, Coach. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad a good time was had by all. By the way, before we leave that story, uh, happy endings. Did the Blue Demons win? No, yeah, they won three to nothing. All the runs were scored in the first inning, and that's how the score ended. Three runs in the first. After seven, it was three nothing. DePaul won. Yes. Okay. And even though you are a avid Illinois fan for the day, you were at least rooting for the uh, blue and white of the Blue Demon. Uh, yes, I was, Coach. Quite honestly, uh, when when I was making fun of these girls, I would sit down and there was other uh, there was like there was girls behind <laughs> that were softball players, uh-huh. and I'm like I'm like lady and ladies in a couple years you're playing college softball, I'll be taunting you, and they all started cracking up. They thought it was funny, coach. <laughs> great time, great time. Uh, good. You should hire yourself out, big day. You're good entertainment. Just to, I can uh, attest to that firsthand. After going to a couple of minor league games, a one Cubs game with you, you are uh, if the game is boring. The big dog will keep things interesting. So, well, yeah, I don't know who was louder, the PI guy, PR, 
the, what do you call it, the PR guy, PA guy, or me? Because to be quite honest with you, the whole stadium heard every single thing I said, Coach. <laughs> All right, and hopefully you did not get too off color because, after all, it was a collegiate game involving women. So I'm assuming I, you used the, the the better discretion of valor or whatever the no, expression. No, I, I don't. Why? Because it's a woman, I'm not going to taunt her as much? Uh, yes, that I'm would like, be hey, correct. You've come a long way, baby. I'm taunting no, you now. No, no, no. you got to have. Yeah, uh, whatever, whatever. I, don't, I could care less what you have to say. You're soft. Every Anybody does anything wrong, and you, you're too sensitive about it. I am not worried. And what I did yesterday was good. Okay. All right. People tuning into the show, I'm sure, are thrilled to hear that we start off our Wednesday show talking about Mikhail Gorbachev, Sean Penn, and DePaul Lady Softball. Probably not exactly the ABC items they expected to hear, but you never know what you're going to get on the Two Guys in a Mic show here on the TalkZone.com. Big deal on the Cubs, uh, your beloved Cubs, second consecutive Walk-off win, Alfonso Soriano somehow, some way, and a two-strike pitch drills a base hit to win the game, and the Cubs got a little momentum going. It's going to be a long season for the Cubs, but it's nice that we're going to have some moments like this and the night before. Uh, Soriano with a little bingo. He got a, he, The guy had a horrible day, and he didn't fold in the chair and, and call it a day. He ends up with a big at-bat late in the game. And I don't care what anybody says. They're playing the Cardinals, and the Cubs are winning. Yep. I went down to I went to Wrigley with the Big DZ afterwards as this year, man. And uh, I got to tell you something: the people, it was a good time to be had by all. But Cardinal fans, I don't know about Cardinal fans. They used to be really, really cool. There was some, there was a lot of uh, like mean spirited Cardinal fans really? out last time. Yeah, huh. you're right because we always used to talk about a great rivalry, but. A respectful rivalry. I always thought the Cardinal fans very cool as well. It's discouraging it just, to hear that there could be a change. It was just a one-day thing. I, I mm-hmm. think I was around. The, we ended up like bumping into a big group of drunken mid-20-year-olds that <laughs> don't really... I don't, you know what I mean? There was, there, was a, there was a mean-spirited uh-huh. little exchange between this year, man, and about 20 drunken Cardinal fans, and they're lucky they walked away. I, seriously, I was ready to throw down with all of them. They would have got beat. That's the best way I could put it. <laughs> So this is spur of the moment. You head down to Wrigley Field in the This Year Man outfit. Folks, if you haven't yeah. seen it, check out the Facebook page, This Year Man. Um, and basically the, 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 the Cardinal fans started calling me an effing uh, homosexual. Really? Use the word homosexual. And they're like, that's typical of a Cub fan in this area. They all, And then they started saying uh, homosexual acts of what I supposedly do. Now, and, they didn't think, and they didn't think that I would be man enough to go, I'll beat every single one of you down right here on Clark Street. And then they all kind of like stared at me. Like, I'm serious. I started walking towards They took off. I was like, that's hilarious. You're making fun of me? I was like, you're afraid of a guy in tights? There was, there was another <laughs> Cub fan there who's a girl. She's like, I'm so glad you stuck up for yourself. Who the hell are those guys? And all of a sudden, uh-huh. she's like MF and the guy's like behind me. <laughs> it was hilarious. That was the best part of the night. Coach. To be fair, now, was this just one group of Cardinal fans or was it uh, numerous? Oh, I was like, it was a group. No, no, it was just a group of Cardinal I, mean, I was okay. like, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, like I said, right. and I will repeat this, the Cub Cardinal rivalry is one of the best in sports. I was shocked mm-hmm. that next thing I know. And then when the guys turned around, they were all wearing uh, St. Louis firefighters. They were all firefighters from okay. St. Louis. That's discouraging, like, really? too. Yeah, I was like, really? You'd think the firefighters, amongst the many others, would have a little tougher skin than that. Did you walk around Wrigley? Did you go into the restaurant, uh, what is it called again, Uh, right next to the stadium? Captain Morgan's. 
No, I, I don't. I don't go in the the Captain Morgan Club. I don't drink any Diageo liquors. Anything that has anything to do with the uh, company Diageo, I have nothing to do with. So I won't drink any Captain Morgan, okay. any Diageo product. I will not drink. All right, but you can still go into the bar and and. Um... Me then, I would be drinking, then I'd be drinking Diageo products. I mean, the only products they sell in the place are, are, are Diageo products. Diageo, that's what. Yeah, that's that's how companies do that. They say, "Oh, you can call it the Captain Morgan Club, but you can only sell our products in here." Okay. All right. You go into a bar and you figure out why you want to take it a Miller Lite because Bud Light paid them not to sell Miller Lite. Interesting. And oh. is there a story you'd like to tell our? Two guys at a mic, good morning public out there, of why you and Biagio's are of such adverse conditions. You're not really good at listening, are you, Coach? Biagio. Whatever. Biagio. Well, uh, I said Biagio. You said Biagio, like as in Bellagio. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they, uh, they, they, just, they did me extremely wrong. I worked months on some stuff, and like when they were about to hire me out for a lot of money to work for them, at the last second, they're like, oh, no, we can't make the meeting today. Ah. And then I was like, I have this, this, and this to do for you. They're like, oh, we're doing something like that anyways. They still haven't done, they've not done anything like that. And my boy Robert McCune and I worked on this for a month, nonstop, and they still are not doing anything like this. I'm just still upset about it. So mm. I have, like, boycotted okay. all the Azure products. And right. for, with me boycotting uh, an alcohol and beverage, you know that's taking a big dip in their sales department. So. <laughs> <laughs> very, very serious. Um, now, for those of us not familiar out there and maybe want to back up this year, man, and back up a big dog, it sounds like you were definitely wronged, no question about it, from an employment standpoint. What are the products that we might drink that would be under the auspices of Biagio? Or Diageo uh, would be, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what, don't even worry about it. But it's like okay. Smirnoff, Captain Morgan. Bush Mills. Okay. So I, I can drink Jack Daniels and Jameson and feel 100% uh, that I'm not supporting a bunch right. of idiots, uh, corporate people in downtown Chicago. All right. Well, I will change, based on what you told me now, I'll change the lead of the story. And apparently the Cubs uh, surged to a 3-2 to 10 inning victory spurred on in part by the presence of their new mascot outside the park, fending off of angry Cardinal fans, some of which are firefighters and still found a way to win 3-2. to two. Alfonso with the game-winning hit, but it was our guy, Big Dog. You and me both, I won't say falling in love, but we've gained some respect for this kid as a hitter. Brian LaHare comes up in the ninth inning. First pitch. First pitch offered. Jax went out to left center and ties the game up. That was the big hit of the game. Oh, without a doubt, and... You know, good things happen when you go with the pitch. Pitch on the outside corner. He doesn't try to pull it. Hits with the left center. You know, and it ties the ball game up. So that was awfully good. And you're exactly right. That was the biggest hit of the game. By the way, I think I heard this correctly. First home run for the Cub in nine games? Yes. Wow. And it's, uh, they haven't gone ten games without hitting a home run That's... since June of 2007. <laughs> That's not good. So, no. Not good, but unfortunately, it might not be the only streak like that because they're definitely uh, in a lack of power surge. And the other thing that occurred to me with the Cubs yesterday, Big Dog, is the bullpen. Jeff Samarja, by the way, has been, uh, for the most part, pretty solid positive. Pitched a very nice game yesterday, but the bullpen, goodness gracious, laboring, struggling out there. You know, you and me talk, just get the ball, throw the ball. Get the ball, throw the ball. The bullpen, every pitch was like it was the seventh inning of the World Series, three and two count, bottom of the tenth. Yeah, 
know, you're serious. That's it's totally true about that. And and I swear they they've got a bunch of guys with that can throw the ball through a wall. Yep. But they couldn't hit the wall with it. They really do. They got a bunch of these like power arms in the bullpen. Nobody can throw a strike in the bullpen though. Yeah, make them hit the ball. Put the ball over the plate. You got, you know, eight other fielders out there. Pitch to contact. That's the new uh, code word in Major League Baseball. Rafael Dolis, I think, was one of the guys you're talking about. Sean Camp, Car- uh, Carlos Marmol, our veteran closer. He struggled and gave up the big home run to uh, Matt Holiday. So we still don't have that area of the game cured. The only guy who came in and just got the ball, throw the ball. Get the ball, throw the ball. Don't make a big issue about it. If you lose, you lose, but don't labor as James Russell. He pitched well. Yeah, he did. He did. And I'm not about to, you know, to, be, to be honest with you, I don't think you're fair to relievers, Coach. Major League, because I, I don't think you, like, you don't watch all the Cubs games. You watch the Cardinal games and stuff, but then you, you always get the highlights of Oh, the Cubs lost today, and so and so had a bad game, and you you miss the fact that like Sean Kemp so far this year, Kemp this year has been the only Cub reliever that's been effective out of the bullpen. Okay, so I'm not going to be upset at the guy for having one bad game. Okay, that's, I'm just throwing it out there. So that mm-hmm. Sean Kemp Camp is like the only reliever I think the Cubs, the Cubs have right now, and oh my, they use him every single day. He usually pitches it more than an inning out of the bullpen for the Cubs. He's going to end up qualifying for the ERA lead. Because he's going to pitch so many innings this year. Uh-huh. Ridiculous. All right. All right. That's a good point. And, and part of my frustration with relievers is I see starters, you know, go five, six, seven innings, and some of these bullpen guys come in and, and make such an issue out of getting one out. You know, it's just an out or two. You know, don't build it up to be this momentous thing. Think of yourself as a starting pitcher coming in at the start of the game where getting an out or two is no big deal. That's that's part of my frustration. It's probably wrong, but that's where it lingers. You know, for the history of baseball, you were a reliever if you weren't good enough to be a starter. And right now the Red Sox are going through this thing where uh, they have Daniel Bard, who is this, you know, one of their young, up-and-coming superstar pitchers who they had pitching the eighth inning before Jonathan Papelbon last year. And all of a sudden this year, you know, they redid their bullpen and, and they put him in the starting staff. And now they're like, we don't have anybody in the eighth inning. And all these, the, if the Red Sox actually get a good start out of a starter, which is like very rare, that doesn't happen very often. Now in the eighth and ninth inning, they're handing it back. So it, it, it's strange. We're back a long time ago. If you were pitching in the in relief, you were not that good. You were you were at least the sixth best pitcher on your team because the other five starters were better. But now, like the Red Sox are like, we might have to take our best pitcher and keep him for the seventh and eighth innings on games that we're leading because it's actually what you're saying. They, you know, you have to have a good pitcher in the bullpen nowadays, or else you have a guy work for seven innings and some guy that throws two pitches and loses the game for you. Mm-hmm. No question about it. No question, big dog and a coach. I. Uh... Feel bad we haven't put the phone number out there yet. If you want to talk about any of our topics thus far, including Mikhail Gorbachev, Sean Penn, uh, Biagio products, or what are we talking about right after that? Um, oh, or DePaul women's softball, or God forbid the Cubs or the Sox. Give us a call, 888-463-6748. Again, 888-463-6748. Big dog, I fell asleep. Uh, our non-English speaking intern staff has not given me any notes. I can't tell you what happened at the end of the White Sox Oakland game. What was what was final score? Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure, but when I was watching <laughs> the game, there yeah. was a there was somebody telling Bartolo Colon jokes. It, I, I, I got to say something. At this point, if you don't have some type of respect for 
for Bartolo Colon, because that guy is older and fatter than anybody in the <laughs> league. He's not older than Jamie Moyer. But to be that out of shape, and actually be a shape, and, and to pitch in major leagues, that's pretty impressive. I don't care what anybody is saying about that situation. And Bartolo was the starter for Oakland yesterday? For, for Oakland, uh-huh. And, uh, it was a good, he was pitching phenomenal, and, and they were winning. I don't know, I don't know who won the game, though, but mm-hmm. sorry, but. All right. Well, I've just been giving a note here from our non-English speaking staff, and it says, uh, Casorte, La Frio, Unca, Suta, Takareko, which I believe means shows over in 36 minutes. So they don't know what happened either. Yes, David. Uh, Sox lost, uh, zero to two last night. Ouch. So Bartolo yeah. pits pretty well, big dub. Yeah. Coach, he was, he was dealing. I mean, he, he, so far this year, and, I, and let's face it, when when I found out he was on the A's and was their their number two starter, I'm like, the A's have McCarthy and Colon as their number one and two starter. They're going to be horrible. Colon's been one of the best pitchers in baseball so far this season, hmm. flat out. Yeah, he's been awesome all year long. I'm a little yeah. worried about that because if he pitches real well, other young pitchers are going to see that, and there might be like a lot of uh, weight-gaining situations out there for pitchers. Yeah, I see a lot of big, fat pitchers out there, and that's probably – Getting beyond the baseball, it's not the healthiest thing in the world, Big Dog. I don't think that there's really an issue for that to happen. So okay. I, I don't think that he's going to dominate that much. Because okay. as soon as you say, oh, he's dominated, then mm-hmm. you can say, well, uh, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, Roy Halladay, they're all skinny and healthy and fit. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's not going to happen. All right, David, see if you can find me the box score, uh, the Adam Dunn, Gordon Beckham, Brent Morrell strikeout ratio how many they do i think i looked at the stats by the way the white Sox uh, had a four game winning streak so they're playing very very good baseball they lose two nothing to oakland late last night um so the streak is broken i think i looked big dog and adam dunn even though he's hitting 260 now and he's got four homers something like 26 strikeouts and 60 at bats so almost a strikeout every two at bats brett morrell was like 22 Strikeouts and 55 at bats. You cannot have that. You just cannot you know, have that many strikeouts. Yeah, you, you don't want Adam Dunn to, to strike out that much. But you, no. when you when you signed him and paid him 14 million a year, you knew the guy was going to strike out 160 plus times a season. But he 100, was to 160. What, well, what percent? Give me a percent. Like a 33 uh, percent of the time. Technically, you, you, that's still too much. You, you wouldn't want Adam Dunn striking out that okay. much, but he's pretty much struck out 25% of his at-bats his whole entire career. He struck out that much. Which which right now we would take. That'd be an upgrade for his White Sox career. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. See, well, the thing is with Adam Dunn, you, you know he's going to strike out a little. Brett Morrell is never going to hit 30 home runs. You can't right. have him striking out 40% exactly. of the time. That's ridiculous. Exactly. He's got to make contact. David, what happened last night? Oh, last night, uh, Dunn went zero for one with a strikeout. One strikeout. Okay. One strikeout. So he probably, uh, he got walked a couple times. All right. Yeah. Uh, Morrell went, uh, one for three. How about Beckham? Uh, Beckham went one for three. All right. Those are upgrades. One for three with one strikeout. Could be a step in the right direction. We need all three of those guys to turn around on the bright side, Big Dog. If you are a White Sox fan, they're uh, winning, they're above 500, and Dunn, you know, has been hitting a little bit, but Brett Morrell, Gordon Beckham, a couple of their key guys haven't been hitting yet. When they do, good things could be on the horizon. No, you're exactly right. If we, we talked about all the things that the White Sox needed at the beginning of the year. 
and they're getting a lot of those things to happen. And the the, the fact that they're they were tied for first place going into yesterday's game. I'm not sure what Detroit did. Since the White Sox lost, that worst they could they could be a game back. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're winning with Brent Morrell playing as poorly as he has, Gordon Beckham being just as bad as he was last year, and it's I'm, I'm surprised, Coach. But if they keep on pitching like they have, it could be a good season on the south side. Mm-hmm. And if A.J. Persinski can keep hitting like that, a couple of guys have been hot early on, Alex Rios, too. So, But uh, either way, Sox playing good baseball. They lose yesterday. Big dog, quick baseball, round them up and wrap them up, and then we got to talk a little of Bulls basketball. we got to talk a little NFL draft, maybe a little bit more than little, because tomorrow is the draft. I know you have some news and notes and some breakdowns you'd like to talk about. And, again, uh, if we have any residue from the Blackhawks losing, um, you know, we can – go over that too there might have been some people out there just too depressed yesterday to call us that might now with 24 hours under their belt be able to talk a little more coherently yeah and uh i can understand why they'd be a little upset yes over the way the blackhawks uh played because yep. they played five really poor games and especially had poor goaltending in those five games i don't care what anybody says they weren't playing well and then in the sixth game they played awesome mm-hmm. and they get blown out they got, they got blown out in the one game that they played the best. Yep. Think about that, Coach. Yep, that's exactly right. First two periods, they skated with uh, more speed and more authority, controlled the puck, clearly outshot the Phoenix Coyote. You're exactly right. That The first two periods in the game that they lost 4 to nothing, that was kind of the way we expected to see the whole series go. The Hawks just a little bit quicker, a little bit faster, a little better with the puck. Yeah, and, and Mike Smith was just yep. better than... Than Crawford was at that point. Yeah. He, he played. He played an awesome goaltender. He, he was, was an awesome goaltender. He he was too big, and the goal was too small. How's that for an analysis? We're not going to get into you one to increase the size. But of you the can goal now. you can take that in the literal and the epithelial sense both ways. Thank you very much. Is epithelial really a word? No. But I use it for effectiveness. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a Coach at your service. Two guys at a Mike Show, TalkZone.com. We do this little sports intrigue every Monday through Friday, five days a week, an hour a day, five in total. Be sure to join us each and every day or any moments that you can. We definitively appreciate any listenership uh, that we get out there, we much, much appreciate you tuning in. Big Dog Quick Baseball Roundup, up, wrap up. A lot of the interesting stories yesterday in the American League. Baltimore, the Oriole, knock off Toronto, the Blue Jay, 2-1. to one. couple of interesting things here. One, uh, the Orioles winner. I love this now. The guy who got the save for Baltimore. You ready for this, David Olson? The closer for the Baltimore, the save yesterday. His name is Pedro Stop. Wow. I like that. A closer with the last name Stop. So uh, is that just, uh, that's probably his first save of the year because Jimmy Johnson, Jim Johnson is their closer, so they probably, but Johnson's been pitching like every day. The Orioles have been winning, Coach. Yes. So they actually needed another guy to come. Their closer has been <laughs> overused. When was the last time we said that the Orioles' closer is overused at this point? He needed a break. Sad wow. but true for the folk at Camden Yard. That hasn't happened often. And uh, Matt Wieters, big dog, help us out. Uh, where did Matt? I know he's been around for a while. I don't think he's been an Oriole, but he's got six homers, including a big one last night. Uh, Matt Wieters was like the fourth overall draft pick by the Orioles about six years ago. They rushed him up to the major leagues because the Orioles were like, "Well, we finally got a great player, and he's not ready, but let him learn on the major league level." And then he sucked, and everybody in 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 Baltimore was like, "I can't believe we wasted another draft pick on a guy who sucks." Well, guess what? Matt Wieters is starting to hit the ball all of a sudden. He's going to, 
He could be one of the best catchers in the game of baseball. He's like Buster Posey, Coach. Mm-hmm. Same pedigree and all that. Okay. Just didn't, wasn't as good just early on in his career. Right. Well, he's a big part of Baltimore's early success, one of the top HR hitters early. Moving right along, Tampa Bay, the uh, Devil Ray, the Rays win 5 nothing over the Anaheim Angels. They're 10-7 and on the year. David Price, big dog, uh, like clockwork, he does it again. A complete game shutout for D. Price. You know, uh... Everybody was worried about him at the beginning of the year. They're like, yeah, he throws 97, but all he does is throw 97. Major League hitters can, uh, you know, they can time that up. Well, uh, throwing 97-hour fastballs wasn't a problem yesterday. It's a two-hit shutout by uh, by uh, David mm-hmm. Price. That guy is phenomenal. Coach. One of the best pitchers in baseball. I'll tell you another guy who is, well, I don't know, phenomenal is quite the word, but I'm getting... I mean, I've respected him for a couple of years now, but it's getting more and more, and I've always said, you know, Mike Sosha... Uh, the Anaheim Angels, kind of my favorite non-Cub, non-Sock manager. I think he does a great job. Joe Madden with the Tampa Bay Ray. He's awfully good. Excellent. Excellent manager. He falls off of the the Mike Socia tree. He was an angel assistant for Mm -hmm. years under under Socia. You know, I only caught half of it. I don't know if you, you know, Real Sports, Brian Gumbo, good show. They did a segment. I only caught the end of it. But they actually did a segment on Joe Madden. Which I need to go back and watch. Uh, I wish I would have thought that because he's a pretty good story coach. Because he had many job offers for years and he didn't take him, and he would continue to be Mike Sosha's right hand guy. And then all of a sudden he takes the the Tampa Bay job, and it was right after uh, Lou Pinella. And I was thinking, why would this guy turn on all these other good jobs take the Tampa job? Well, he was paying really close attention to the fact that whenever Tampa Bay drafted anybody between the first and fifth rounds, they would make it to the major leagues within two, three years, and they were awesome. So if you think of it, nobody's produced more talent than Tampa Bay has over the last uh, five years in Major League Baseball. Hmm. So Joe, Joe, John Matt, Joe Madden is a great manager coach. Yep. He's also really smart and put himself in the best situation, yeah. too. And he's not a by-the-book guy. He's not afraid to do things, um, to say the least, outside the ordinary. No, no, he makes sure he, he does things totally different than everybody yes. else because that's, I, I, I love that about him. Oh. I love that. Interesting. He's, he's like, he's one of those guys that lets players be players. It's okay. pretty cool. All right. Baseball round him up, wrap him up here. Big dog and a coach. We try to do it each and every day of the MLB season. The uh, Cleveland Indians four, the Kansas City Royals three. The Indians playing pretty decent baseball, but the story here, dog, is the KC Royal losing streak to 12. Ouch. Yeah, it is. That is a serious, serious ouch, especially in a, not just uh, any type of 12-game losing streak. Even for a season like this on the north side for the Cubs, where we all realize it's a rebuilding year. Mm-hmm. This was supposed to be the year that the, the Royals had a resurgence. And, I mean, Kansas City, you know, they spent a little bit of money, but they've been doing a good job of building everybody from within because they really don't have the money to go out and and uh, and pay for anybody. They were hoping if they started out hot, they'd get some attendance. And they could add it to like a pitcher or something at the end of the year. That's not going to happen in Kansas City again this year. It's going to be another long season. Yeah, you ready for my baseball analyst question? With with a question like this, I probably should be promoted to the ESPN, one of their top seats for baseball tonight. Do you, do you, Joel Radwanski, think that the loss of David DeJesus is responsible for the collapse of the KC Royals? You do realize he hasn't played for Kansas City in five seasons. What? When did he stop playing for the Royal? Well, when he started playing for the A's the last five years. Really? No, don't worry. When you go to Oakland, that's your place to go die in baseball. <laughs> All right. I thought he was still a Royal. So that 
Yeah, coach, you name five A's right now. I've already gave two of them for you Ew. this year. Oh, boy. Don't you think I can. Three more A's. How I already gave a... two of them to you. They still got Eric Burns? Uh, Eric Burns retired <laughs> about three seasons ago, and he retired as a Arizona Diamondback. <laughs> Uh, David Olson, I guess you could uh, take that ESPN uh, baseball tonight third seed away from me. A little more seasoning, I've got to go. Day. Jesus is no longer a Royal. No, he's not. Five years ago, he he stopped playing for them. I would uh, maybe not five. Okay. I'll go baseballreference.com, but I will guarantee he right. played at least three seasons on the Oakland A's. All right, so we can't blame his loss on the collapse of the KC Royals. All right, we could because they sucked that whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You never know. Of course, they were bad with them, too. All right, moving right along. Texas, the Rangers, and the Yankees. Good ball game here. Great pitchers. Two to nothing, and it was interesting, only the seventh time in Major League history. I think I got that right, Big Dog, where two Japanese pitchers have started the game, and you, Darvish, is getting better and better. Eight and a third, ten strikeouts. He beats the Yankees two nothing. He got help in the last two-thirds of an innings, and the Yankees were throwing who? Hiroki Kuroda? Oh, that would uh, that would make sense because he's their Japanese pitcher. Yep. But Darvish, I don't know. Have you seen? I know he was shaky in Game One. It appears he's making a nice progression each game, getting better and better. And yesterday he wasn't dominant, but uh, darn close to it. Well, uh, you, you shut out the, the Yankees lineup. I mean, they're not the best lineup in baseball, but they're one of the best lineups in baseball. So you, Darvish, is the real thing. Coach, in his first start, the first inning, he was really, really worried about it. He had 50 million Japanese people watching it on television back home. So mm-hmm. to us, it was like, oh, it's a, his, his major league first day. He's probably pretty nervous. Yeah, he's nervous about that, plus the fact that everybody in this country was looking forward to that day. That was like the biggest uh, television event the whole year. Yu Darvish is the biggest celebrity in Japan. And he came out scared, pitched horrible, and ever since then, he's been dominant. Ever since that first inning, he's been one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball. Coach. That's no mm-hmm. joke. All right, good pickup for the Texas Rangers, uh, who right now, anyways, appear to be the best team in baseball. Obviously, long way to go, but they look awfully good. Uh, National League, not a whole lot happening. Mets beat Florida two to one. Johan Santana, eleven strikeouts and six and a third. It looks like he's captured a little bit of that magic from days gone by. Big Doug, as the Mets beat Florida two to one. Yeah, it would be good if uh, if he could be good this year. And do you know Johan Santana this season has? The whole entire year, and by the way, he's coming off surgery and he needs a little support from his teammates. He has not thrown a pitch with the lead yet this year. Hmm. Interesting. And he's pitched well. So the, the Mets need to start supporting Johan Santana. He has a, he's one of those great, one of the great, he had one of the great runs four or five years once. It wasn't as good as Colfax in the 60s, but it was like that, coach. Yes. How good he was. So the, the Mets need to score some runs when he's out on the mound, give mm-hmm. the guy some help. All right. Little baseball round them up, wrap them up here to get most of the action, uh, most of the interesting stories anyways over in the American League. Real quick, Big Dog, touch on the NBA and then uh, finish off with the NFL draft. I know tomorrow you're going to have lots of thoughts on it, but we'll definitely get into it today. Any of our uh, football fans out there, you got a player you want to promote or mention or take a question on, where do you think will be drafted? Pluses and minuses, the Big Dog's got uh, mental charts. I don't know if he's got them all written down, but there's very few folks out there who can break down some of the collegiate football players and their prospects at the NFL level, like my good friend Joel Radwanski. I don't want to build you up too much, Big Dub, but that's one of your strengths. Well, and this year it's going to be a really, really big strength of mine. Coach, you know, 
uh, I have a, a good girlfriend now, a real, real good girlfriend. And Does she go she well lets, to her right? She lets me watch football. She goes on, she can jump out of the gym, too. The girl can flat out sprint and uh, jump. How are her intangibles? Her intangibles, there's a big upside on her intangibles. As a matter of fact, she's <laughs> with her cousin right now at the University of Michigan. She's like, you know what I'm saying? Uh, trying to uh, teach her cousin to do the right thing, so it's, it's uh-huh. pretty cool. Does she have a high ceiling or a low ceiling? Girls get extremely high ceiling. Though. Really? She doesn't even realize how high her ceiling is. Wow. But she let me watch college football this year. And I don't just watch college football. I get the notebooks out, and I mm-hmm. write about all these players. Legitimately, if the Bears, uh, if they call me, I, I'm the number 19th pick. I could give them a little bit of advice on a couple players if they wanted it. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding, Coach. I am looking at a notebook right now where I've got players. I got like Right now, I'm talking about guards. I'm looking at some guard from Temple named... Uh, Tony Smith, I thought, was a heck of a player and that they need them. The Bears need to actually draft this kid like in the fourth round. Any of our fans out there, this is the kind of analysis the big dog can give you. 888-463-6748. Again, 888 Little NFL draft analysis. Back hair Bob wants to know uh, if your girlfriend uh, is able to rap and bring down runners. He also oh, wants to know if she can push the pile and close the gap well. It would be nice. She does have the size of a cornerback, and that's kind of like her, her athleticism. That, it would be really nice if, a, if the Bears can get a corner in this draft. And a, a first-round corner I would have no problem with because there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the Bears division. It would be nice to have a shutdown corner. So David Wilson, I feel like I'm fishing trying to get a bite here. Is your girlfriend able to go sideline to sideline? What's her lateral coverage speed? It's pretty decent, believe it or not. I take her out to the park and have her work on that stuff, Coach. <laughs> you, you, you're laughing. You, I, if she wasn't in the car coming back from Michigan right now, I, she'd probably be calling. And, and I take her to the park, and I make her do all the the progressive uh, running drills. <laughs> I need quick feet. You take out my don't. I do. You, I, I am uh, not kidding, Coach. Uh-huh. I, I give this to the most avant-garde workout programs that you can name. I look legitimately. I'm trying to make her the next Usain Bolt. Would she be a three <laughs> three gap or a five a three technique or a five technique? Like like I like I've <laughs> already said, she's a cornerback. She wouldn't be playing any defensive line, Coach. All right, then okay. how does she do in the? Does she backpedal well, or how was her drop step? Uh, you know, sad to say. I haven't had to see her in a backpedal situation yet. Interesting. Well, that's good to say because yeah. she's, she's been pretty forthright. David so. Olson, I think you will attest to this as a semi-long married man. You really can't judge the strength of a relationship until you've seen the woman in the backpedal situation. And then, you know, able to recover and gain coverage. So I'm going to have to agree with you on that because... <laughs> You're gonna to have to. I, I gotta see her at her worst. I gotta see her actually get mad at me yep. or get angry. Yep. I gotta. I gotta because until then, I, I don't know if I can really truly commit. Absolutely. To the right now, you guys, the two of you get along way too well. Exactly. So yep. it's, it's, I'm a little concerned. This has never really happened yep. to me. Like Relationship. I'm not sure where it's going. All right. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven. 48 back to the draft in a second. Real quick, Bulls take on the Pacers. Uh, tonight, Big Dog, 6 o'clock. I won't be watching. I hope you will, or at least one of our non-English-speaking interns can give me notes on the game. The playoffs start Saturday. The big story yesterday is the Bulls clinch a one seed. The Miami Heat lose to the Celtics without uh, LeBron, Wade, or Bosch. And the Celtics didn't play what? Garnett, Ray Allen, and... Who are, and Rajon Rondo. So both teams yeah. rested. The Heat basically didn't care about losing the number one seed. How about that? 
Yeah, they really don't care. We'll see. Hopefully that comes back and burns the heat. Uh, honestly, I, I, the fact that you're just giving that guy we could care less, uh, the Bulls should take that as an insult. They really should. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone says, oh, the Bulls can't take it. Not everybody, but experts. The Bulls can't take it to the next level. Well, you know what? I would much rather have a team that I know can go all the crank it all the way up to 10, volume 10, and play that way. Do you think the Heat really are going to be able just to crank it up? Maybe those three players can. But are the Lavernius Coles and the, the other players, James Jones of the world on that team, going to actually be able to crank it up all the way to volume 10 when the playoffs start? We're going to find out, Coach. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm excited uh, about this, and I really hope the Bulls use this as a sign of disrespect that the Heat have already said. They said it. We don't need home court advantage to get to the final. Mm-hmm. They said it. Now, Dwayne Wade has said it. LeBron has said it. So basically they're saying we can beat the Bulls on their home court is what they said to you, Chicago okay. Bulls. Remember yeah. that. Well, and I do, want the, I do want the Bulls to win the last two games of the year so they have a 50-win regular season. That's mm-hmm. what I want. 15-16 and 16 is better than 49-17. and 17. Yeah. In a shortened season, that's pretty darn good to win the 50 games this year. Let's hope, uh, you know, from, as a Bulls fan standpoint, I hope – we get to challenge the Miami Heat, or wherever it is, because that means we're going to win two series, and those series will not be easy, Big Dog, starting off with the first one. The Sixers or the Knicks are going to be a, a tough matchup. Real quick, I got a tweet here, not me personally, but I'm looking at the uh, Twitter page, Dick Vitale. I don't know how I got on his tweet page, but here we are. Do you think, Dick Vitale said, do you think the Celtics should have given the fans a break on the tickets in the game versus the Heat, fans pay big money to see the big players, not a, calls it a JV game. So, you know, is how much do you owe it to the, how bad do you feel for the fans that paid big bucks to come to the game and not one, not two, but six of the superstar players do not play in the game? Um, that's just Dick Vitale trying to say something and get people to like him. Because let's, let's face it, when you buy tickets for the end of a season game involving the Heat and the Celtics with as many old players as they have, mm-hmm. you know that there could be a there's a possibility that they're resting their starters because of all the playoff implications. Well, are. let's think about you, that. You, you still would you still you buy those tickets, and you know, Coach, if you buy the last game of a season for the Chicago Bears, yeah, there is a fifty fifty chance that either that game means everything and they're going to make the playoffs and they have to win it, or They've already clinched, and they don't need it, or even worse, they're basically playing out the, the mm-hmm. schedule. Maybe the last game, but I, I, I don't know if I'm going to agree with your statement. I think there's a significant percentage of the one-time purchasees who you know buy a ticket for that game. It's the second-to-last game, and they see end of season, and they see Celtic Heat, and I think they're thinking, ooh, you know, I only got 800 bucks to spend, but this would be a great game. To bring the kids to Celtic and Heat, some you know some of the more veteran fans, yes, but I think Big Dog, there's a lot of fans that bought tickets. Maybe they should have been thinking of that, but I don't think they were. Uh, well, that's what happens. So just 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 a reminder, uh, like so, if you're a big LeBron James fan, remember he decided not to play. So mm-hmm. when you when that was that one time all year, you could have saw him and you didn't get to see him. Think, I'm not worried about the, the team giving them the money back. Just, just remember that LeBron James didn't feel like suiting up that day. Mm-hmm. By the way, Michael Jordan never had the blue flu, ever. Michael Jordan missed, like, besides the year that he broke his foot, every game that Michael Jordan missed after that was a legitimate, legitimate injury or suspension. He yeah. never had the blue flu. Not one time, Coach. 
So, by the way, speaking I'll, of Michael, <laughs> have you noticed how far from the Charlotte Bobcats he's been staying away? At the Blackhawks game, he's up there with Makita and Bobby Hull. And boy, Bobby Hull yeah. does not look good these days. Um, and then last night at Wrigley Field, there's Michael Jordan. So as his Bobcat team is losing 21 in a row, Michael Jordan is spending as much time in Chicago. And can you blame him, Big Doug? I, I don't. I don't. But I got to say something. There's, there's probably more basketball talent uh, at the United Center that day at the hockey game than there is on the Bobcats. <laughs> So if he was, maybe he's looking for somebody to, to replace him with. Yeah, I don't mind him taking it off like a night or something like that. I think a little bit that's only overblown because he's his team is really really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, just what what GMs in in basketball can't have a life. They can't go out and do something other than just watch basketball. Yep. I guess if their teams lose twenty games in a row, they can't. Good point. Good point. Fortunately for the Charlotte Bobcat, the season will come to a close. All right, uh, we got a couple of minutes. Big dog NFL draft is coming up on Thursday. Before we get into any specifics, is there any generals over overall views of this year's draft that uh, the Big Dog, our NFL draft analysts, we other shows have analysts. We call you our analyst. Uh, any overview things about this year's draft in particular? It's it's a, a fairly deep draft, coach. And you know, like last year wasn't a really deep draft. This one is a is really deep, so you can find you're going to be able to find some players in the third or fourth round that could start for your ball club really, really early in their careers, and that doesn't happen mm-hmm. a lot. You're going to get a lot of that in this draft, and uh, you, you just kind of this is a draft that's going to be talked about ten, fifteen years from now because you're going to have two quarterbacks taken at the top of the draft. Yep. One is considered the greatest quarterback prospect since Elway, which is I mean that's ridiculous to even be compared like that. And the other guy was the Heisman Trophy winner who broke records unlike we've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, so and and the type of guy, like I said, they're calling him a great character guy just because he can speak really, really well. When you know that they're oh, he's so disciplined, yet he has four children with four different baby mamas. I, I laugh about that. And then like, and then you have uh, Andrew Luck who getting the guy with he was in like the perfect system. He barely threw the ball down the field. To call him the greatest quarterback prospect since Elway, I, I don't want to rip on Andrew Luck. The kid's going to make it. I like him a lot, and I, and I really hope that he ends up uh, having a really good career. I just don't see a coach. I do not see him being the greatest quarterback prospect ever. He's going to struggle for the first couple of years in the mm-hmm. NFL. And it's, it's funny. Is there, Andrew Luck and, and RG3, Robert Griffin III, are going to be compared to each other forever. Yep. And for the first couple of years, Robert Griffin III, everyone's going to think it's better than Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. Interesting. All right, so you're not predicting the immediate success that others are. I'm still a little. I mean, I love the guy like you. You got to you got to respect the guy. I think he will be a uh, a good NFL quarterback. You're right. Whether he hits that superstar status and how quickly, we don't know. But the one thing about Andrew Luck uh, that I really respect, the big dog, is coming into this year with all the notoriety he had. The magazine. I mean, he was supposed to go to the pros last year. He would have been a number one pick, and he came back to Stanford and, you know, all the publicity on the field and off. There's so many areas where he could have tripped up on, and the guy was a total class act, and he was a true teammate, and, you know, I can't speak, obviously, firsthand, but from what I saw, and I saw a fair amount of Stanford games this year, maybe four or five of them, he wasn't trying to be one of the guys. He wasn't trying not to be a superstar. He, to me, 
It looked like he legitimately enjoyed playing college football. He legitimately enjoyed being a teammate and enjoying the success of his other team and just enjoyed the whole experience without worrying about all the other stuff going around. Not so easy considering the, uh, you know, the camera that was on him in such clear focus. No, no, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. You, you summed it up. Uh, so I, I, that, that part of quarterbacking he's going to have, being able to be a leader, yep. uh, being able to walk into a huddle and everybody listen to him. Mentally, he's got it all. And, and they say physically he's got it all and stuff, but I, <clears throat> to be honest with you, I needed to see more at Stanford. They used, they run all these crazy plays at Stanford that yep. make people wide open. And there are huge targets that aren't very fast. And he was able to throw the ball in the general vicinity like time and time again. But I guess he made the right decisions. And mm-hmm. that's the thing is you can say, oh, he's a system quarterback. You still have to make the right decision when you're out there. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, after watching this Gruden thing with him, the half hour, uh, yeah. half hour thing, I am less convinced that Andrew Luck is going to be an immediate success than I was before the Gruden mm-hmm. thing, Coach. All right. What about the two other quarterbacks, Arrow pointing up? They've, uh, you know, there's been talk that they could be both picked in the top five. There's also possibilities they could slip to the back end of the first round. But Oklahoma State's very own Brandon Wheaton and also the kid I've never seen play from Texas A&M. I think his name is Ryan Tannehill. What do you think of those two? Uh, Ryan Tannehill is a freak of an athlete, a freak of an athlete. He's got a cannon for an arm. Coach, I, I talked about Texas A&M all year. I said they were extremely inconsistent. I, honestly, I would take uh, Brandon Whedon before Ryan Tannehill. If you needed a quarterback and you decided to take uh, Ryan Tannehill in the top ten, he has a, a, a very, very good chance of being a total bust in the in the NFL, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Interesting. He could be a good quarterback, but it won't be until like, 2016, 2017. Mm-hmm. To draft him at the first round would be a, a horrible mistake by the Miami right. Dolphins. That's some solid analysis. You'll get more of it tomorrow. Football fans, check in with the Big Dog and the coach tomorrow, 10 to 11. NFL draft later in the evening. Big Dog, before we let you go, is there a player you saw, and I love asking this because you always come up with some good insight. I'll probably do it again tomorrow, but uh, that's not being mentioned out with the high-profile guys, but uh, that you think, you know, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, at whatever college, a game you watched, a player you saw who you think might be a sleeper and could be a heck of an NFL player. Oh, there's there's a, there's a bunch of players. I, I put the list back on. There's uh, numerous players that uh, uh, that can end up, like, slip through the cracks and end up being picked up by people. Uh, you know this uh, Lavarius David kid, the outside linebacker from Nebraska coach? Don't remember. If you, oh my goodness! Yeah, that guy—he's—he's he's more of a second-round pick, but that guy's going to end up starting immediately in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, and that was—they're like, oh yeah, he's uh, his combine times. They weren't as blah 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 as what they're talking about. This kid. All I remember him watching Nebraska this year was he was in everybody's backfield, constantly making plays. And they're like, oh yeah, he fell out of the first round because of his combine times. That's the one guy I want to tell you. He's going to someone's going to pick him in the second round and get a guy that should have been picked mm-hmm. in the first round. Just because he ran a four six forty instead okay. of a four five. All right. So give a few, give us a few more of those tomorrow. Make sure I love hearing about some of the players we might not be aware of. Finally, your uh, Illinois Fighting Illini—they're going to be front and center tomorrow. It's amazing with so many uh, high draft choice potentials that they were so pitiful last year. But uh, Whitney Merciless might go in the first round. AJ Jenkins—he had a great first half of the season he'll probably be picked you know second third round ian thomas the linebacker and uh, jeff allen the offensive lineman so the illini are going to get a little um little mention in the nfl draft rounds 
one through four tomorrow? Uh, Winston uh, Merciless is a playmaker. I don't know if he's consistent enough to be Winston. a first-round draft pick. Winston or Whitney? Whitney Merciless. My okay. fault. I called him Winston. Yep. So he's got a brother, Winston Merciless. All right. So you think it's a little bit of a reach for him to be in the first round? I really do, Coach. And I know he forced a bunch of fumbles. He led the country in sacks. But I swear, every like I've talked about it before. Every single play he was trying to sack the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He did. He's not an all-around football player. Mm-hmm. He can run right at him, and just, if he starts for somebody next year, and I'm a and I'm a offense coordinator, I immediately have a running play designed right at him if he's on the field. Yep, that's it's right. An audible, and I go right at him every single play. Right now, not a strength, no question uh-huh. about it. All right, we'll get more of that tomorrow. Big dog, be safe today. Take a day off, relax, rest up, and stay away from uh, Biagio products. Okay? Uh, yes, I shall. <laughs> All right, we'll do it again tomorrow, folks, at 10 o'clock. Thank you so much for listening. TalkZone.com, two guys and a mic. We'll see you tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Please don't be late.